And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. So, uh, this Advent season, that word Advent um, is, is really just a word that means the, the, the arrival of something, the appearing of something, or something that comes. Uh, you, know, you hear about the advent of the computer and how much that changed our world, and is still changing our world. The advent of uh, the smartphone. Um, and how that has decreased our attention span so greatly. Um, but no, there's so many things that, you know, the technology and stuff, the advent of these things, the birthing of these things, the coming of these things. Uh, but really when we talk about, in the church calendar, when we talk about advent, we're not talking about uh, the coming of the latest technology. We're talking about the coming of Christ, the, the appearing of the Savior of the world. And uh, the Bible talks so much about this. And, you know, it's good, I think, a number of years ago, we started as a, in a kind of a, a non-traditional thing for churches like ours to do, but we started looking at the importance of Advent and what it meant uh, that Jesus comes, and we we started taking this four-week period of time leading up to Christmas to really focus on what it meant for Jesus to come to this earth and how that impacts all of our lives, and it's a joyful time. Um, everything that announced the coming of Christ was about joy. And uh, it, it's a great time. It's a joyful time. And, and today we, we're, we're doing from our series this, this Advent season, Pastor Josh started it last week, we're uh, taking a, a little bit of a different path in the sense that we're using a statement and, and some conversation that Jesus had, not at the beginning of his ministry, but more toward the end of his ministry. And in fact, it's probably less than a week before his crucifixion, um, we find him talking about some of the things that we're going to be sharing today. And, uh, and yet, it's foundational stuff to our faith and foundational stuff for our, our journey with Christ. And so, today I want to begin by reading our text from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, verse 1. So you can look at the screen as I read. Do not let your hearts be troubled. By the way, if you've been having uh, some, some issues in your spirit, some brokenheartedness, whatever, here's a good word for you. Just don't let your heart be troubled anymore. Jesus has come and it's all going to be good. Nudge your neighbor say, I think that's right. Do not let your heart be troubled. I get on to this. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And that last bit, Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I, I want to take these passages here today and just kind of want to um, just look at some of what Jesus is saying and kind of look at the, the, the history of this. And my goal today is to encourage us, to give us hope, and to help us to pursue the things that really matter in life. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of white noise in our world. There's a lot of stuff that shouts at us, that demands our attention. Things that want to get us worked up and, and riled up and get our, our emotions involved, you know, in this world. But really, when it, when it boils down, everything in this world is passing away. And the only thing that's really going to remain is the spirit of man and the spirit of God and the, and the connection, the bond that we have with God. And so we want to look at that. We want to look at that very seriously. So I want to begin with this. Jesus makes a statement here where he says, I am the way. And I know this is a very elementary point to make on this, but um, it's, it's worth saying, I think, that Jesus didn't say, I am a way as if one of many, 
but I am the way. Everybody say the way. The way, the way as in there ain't no other way to get there. Right? right? Uh, that's bad English, but good doctrine. So there, there's no other way to get there. And he said, I, no one comes to the Father except through me, right? So I want to look at that word way for a second. It's the Greek word. Um, you realize the Bible wasn't written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And it's been translated into English. And so the Greek word that we have translated into the word way is actually this word hodos. And hodos means the road, the route, the path. Um, when you dig into that word a little bit further, it actually has to do with, it implies the idea of, pro of progress or the progression of something that moves forward. If you think about a road, a path, or a route, um, as you move down that route, you cover more and more territory, more land, so to speak. The scenery changes, right? You move forward. And so I think Jesus is saying there's something about our relationship with him that causes us to progress in life and not just get older, but, but actually grow in our relationship with him. I mean, getting older is, is not optional. It's going to happen. You know, every year when you celebrate your birthday, you're celebrating the fact that you aren't dead yet. And uh, that's, 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 what, that's life, right? Um, you know, so we're going to get older, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to grow in our relationship with Christ. But he would like us to progress. Now that I've got everybody bummed out, smile at me. Um, he wants us to grow. He wants us to progress in our relationship with him. So that's part of that, that word also. It implies the idea of progression. And then figuratively, it means this, and I really like this, a mode or means by which to make the journey. And so Jesus is really saying here, he's saying, I'm the, I'm the road, I'm the route, I'm the path. Uh, I am the progress that if you're going to make progress in life, it's going to come through me. I am the, the mode and the means by which you are going to make the journey. Everybody say, the journey. The journey. And so that's a, a question. You know, he's, he's the progress. We grow incrementally. The journey, um, we can't take this journey without him. I mean, we can, we can live life without him, but we can't go on the journey that he's talking about here without him. And, and so I want to follow um, just briefly here this conversational thread that Jesus has with his disciples. So as I said, we're in, as Pastor Josh brought up last week, this is in the last week of Jesus' life before the crucifixion. This is in uh, what we tend to, tend to call Holy Week, which we talk about, commemorate at the Easter season. But talking about it now is appropriate because we have to understand why did he come? What's the point in Jesus being here? And how do we apply that, uh, his coming to our lives? And, and so we want to follow this conversational thread here a little bit. So he, he first says to them, we're going to pick up with this part. He says, you know where I'm going. And you know the way. And uh, Thomas kind of spouts up. These disciples have been with him for three plus years. And he's thinking by now they ought to be picking up on some stuff, right? <laughs> right? I've been walking with Jesus for 39 years. And I still don't pick up on stuff sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not what I used to be, but thank God I'm not quite yet what I'm going to be. I'm still in the, <laughs> I'm still in the process, right? Um, so he, he says this to them. He says, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas pipes, pipes up and he said, we don't know. He, he's speaking for all of them. They're all thinking the same thing. But Thomas is the one that, that jumps up and says, we, we don't know where you're going. And how are we supposed to know the way? And then he answers that question by saying, I am the way. And then it goes on to the truth and the life. Today we're going to be talking about the way. So there's two things here that I want to address. First of all, there's a specific destination that Jesus has in mind. It's going someplace specific. And not only that, there's a specific way of getting there. It's not just pick a path, guys, anything will work. He didn't say I'm, one, I'm a way, he said I'm the way, right? And so if we look at this, um, the, the question sounds good. We're, we, don't, we're, we don't know where you're going, but he's already told them. I just don't think they were listening very well. Have you ever have that problem with not listening very well? 
I'll tell a story on myself. Um, I'll tell a story on myself a few, a few years probably now ago, a while back. My wife's grunting at me. Um, my wife confided in me. She says, you know, I'm really getting concerned about you. And I said, really? She says, yeah, I, I really think you have memory issues. And, uh, and I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, I tell you stuff, and you don't remember any of it. And I had to confess to her that, well, it's not that I don't remember. I'm just not listening. <laughs> Guys, anybody know what I'm talking about? Stop that. Um, you listen. We have to listen, right? So since then, I've been listening. My memory's gotten better, hasn't it, baby? <laughs> She's not committal on that. But we need, to, so we need to listen. I think Jesus was telling his disciples something, and they weren't paying attention. They were listening. In fact, look at verse 2 with me for a moment. Look at what he says in verse 2. In my father's house, where is he talking about right there? His father's house. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He's going to prepare a place for them where? At the Father's house. So he said, in my Father's house, there's room for everybody. And I am going there to the Father's house to prepare a place for you. And then he says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that... Where I am, there you may be also. So the question was asked. We don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to know how to get there? He had just told them where he's going. Where's he going? Going to the Father's house, right? Why is he going to the Father's house? To prepare a place for them. Look at all the thems in the house. We are all them. Prepare a place for them, right? Why? There you go. So that where he is there we could be also wow what love what grace what amazing compassion that he would say i'm going to go to the father's house not just for me you know to jesus it wasn't good enough that he got to hang out at the father's house he wanted to bring all of us undeserving individuals along with him and he said so i'm going to go to the father's house and i'm going to prepare a place for you that's pretty amazing isn't it he said i'm going to go to my father's house no one comes to the Father except through him, right? And he says, you know the way, I'll see you there. That's kind, of what he's, that's kind of what he's implying here. And again, less than a week away from his crucifixion, he's warning them, I am going to the Father's house. You know the way to get there. Thomas is confused along with the other disciples. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? He doesn't say, hey, guys, look, I'm going to the Father's house. I just told you. He just says, I am the way. And what you've, what you've learned, basically what he's saying is what you've learned and seen and heard and observed in me, you should follow this. And so he said, I'm the way, the road, the route, the path, the means of human progression, the mode of the means by which to make the journey. You know, when you, when you travel someplace, you need, a, you need a good map or you need a good GPS, right? Um, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've used GPS and it's not gotten me where I want to go. And uh, my wife says, why don't you update that thing? It's updated. It's just not, it's just, something's not, just not working there, you know, like my little Garmin thing, you know. Just, sometimes it doesn't get me where I want to go. Most of the time it works, but sometimes it doesn't. It's not perfect. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, you know, you need to have a good, clear map. I, I want to tell this quick story. Um, back in May, my wife and I did something that we had wanted to do and had planned to do um, some years back and just never uh, had an opportunity to do until this year in May. Uh, we took three weeks off, never taken three weeks off before in my life. And uh, we took off three weeks and we did a 5,000 mile round trip 
down over and back uh, Route 66 drive with our Mustang convertible. We hit Route 66 and drove out to Southern California and hit Sequoia National Park and back. And um, you know, it, it was a great it was a great time and a great trip. Um, but we went down to Oklahoma and we got started there in Oklahoma. And we had these little maps, state of each state, that I'd bought some years back because, like I said, we had planned to do this trip, you know, a while ago. And what you need to know, if you don't already, is that Route 66 was a, a main road from. Uh, from Chicago out to LA, but in 1985 it was decommissioned, which means it's no longer a road. So the states either maintain it or they let it go. And there's there's little uh, patches of it. There are extensions of it that are still in existence or under different names sometimes. And sometimes they're a little tricky to find. They're a little tough to find. So we had this map that was going to help us find all the you know all the right places to turn, right places to go to stay on the old Route 66. And so we get down to Oklahoma on the first day. We're ready to hit the road, you know, ready to go. And my wife starts telling me to, to navigate in a certain direction. I'm the driver; she's a navigator. So if things go wrong, it's always the navigator's fault. So we're we're driving we're driving down the road, and she says, "This says that we need to take a, a right right here." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, that you can't turn there anymore. That's a gravel road. I'm not. We're not. That's not somewhere we're going to go." She said, "Well, that's where it says to go." So we keep going, and we found that we kept hitting these dead ends and we kept ending up in the wrong place. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't great for our, for our trip. Um, you know, one of us has a tendency to get a little bit worked up. I won't say who that is. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it's not her. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, it wasn't really off to a great start, you know. And at one point, we're driving down this road, and I said, this doesn't feel right. She said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but this is where it says to go, you know. So we're driving down this road, and the lane that we're on actually just becomes the on-ramp to the interstate going back the other direction. <laughs> and I find myself halfway down the, the on-ramp, and all of a sudden, I realize, I don't want to be on this on-ramp. So what do I do? I put it in reverse, check my mirrors, <laughs> and I floor it. And we start backing up, and my wife goes, what are you doing? <laughs> So I'm getting this off this off ramp, and uh, got turned around and got on the road. So we decided to, to, to use a more updated version of this map. So we had a book that was more that was more updated, and you know what? We didn't make as many mistakes. Notice I said as many, uh, but we didn't make as many mistakes because we had an updated map. So the map makes a big difference, right? You need to know where you're going if you want to get there. The route we were going, we'd be still wandering around down there somewhere if we were using those old maps. We found, it, found ourselves lost a few times because the old version of the map was not quite right. And you know what? I think about this. The Jewish people were navigating their lives according to an old map. They were following the Jewish laws, the Ten Commandments, the 613 Levitical laws that were added to the Ten Commandments, and that's how they navigated their lives. And when Jesus said that he is the way, he's initiating a brand new era in life. He's now the mode or the means of making the journey, not the law. And he becomes an example of life that's harnessed and in harmony with God the Father. Precisely because he is the way, there are 22 times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus calls people with a simple invitation. His invitation in our, in our language is two words, follow me. And he would walk up to people minding their own business, maybe sitting at the receipt of customs and taking the taxes from the people, the tax collector, or in their, in their boats mending their nets as fishermen or wherever. He walks up to these people and invites them with two words, follow me. And uh, that invitation has a little bit of a command to it. It's, it's an invitation to follow him, but it's almost like a command. Follow me. Come with me. And um, following him was going to be the way to the Father. 
He was, he was inviting people to the Father's house. Pretty amazing. Doesn't mean just walk along the same path. But it was common in those days for a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, to gather followings to his particular rabbinical form, his particular way of understanding the Jewish scriptures and teaching uh, the, the Tanakh and teaching the principles of the Old Testament. A certain way of teaching was very common among the different uh, rabbis. And so they would call disciples because they wanted to teach people their way of following the scriptures so that those people could continue to teach other people their way of following the scriptures. And so if, if Rabbi Joseph would have called you, you would have been, and you followed him, you went with him, you would have been a Josephine. You would have been the follower of Joseph, the rabbi. And you would have followed his teachings and understood things that he was uh, trying to get across to the people, the nuances of his doctrine. And when you were called, it was very common for them to call you by just saying, follow me. It's an invitation, not just to walk alongside, but to become a disciple of someone. And so when Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't something new to the people who he was inviting. They had heard other people get called to follow other rabbis. But he, when, they, when he invited them to come, he was inviting them to something more than just learning his doctrine. He was inviting them to his father's house. He was inviting them to follow him to a place that they could have never found without him. They were invited to follow him, to emulate his example, to obey his teachings and his commandments, and eventually follow him to his father's house. The way in the Old Testament, when you read that term way in the Old Testament, it very often referred to a proper way to behave, the right way to behave. How many believe there's a right way to behave in life? Of course there is, right? So the proper way of life. When Jesus says, I am the way, we, we hear it, you know, just as kind of a common statement, I am the way. We have to understand when the Jewish people heard that, that was a radical statement in their ears. Because no one can be the way, the Jewish law is the way. You can follow a rabbi, but no rabbi ever said, I am the way. No rabbi ever said, I am the way, and no one can come to the Father except by me. No rabbi ever said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No rabbi ever referred to themselves as the mode or the means of making the journey to the Father's house. It's amazing that Jesus gave them that, inv that invitation as a major departure from Jewish tradition and yet an opportunity for them to learn something that they would never have known without him. Judaism had taught that there was only one way, only one right way, and that way was the law. In fact, in, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, check this out. It says, And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Every time I, I read that passage, I'm reminded of the Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's a classic novel from the 1600s where he writes about Christian who is a young man who begins a journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city through the wicket gate and this, this pathway toward the light, moving toward the light and, and, and the whole Pilgrim's Progress maybe you've read the Pilgrim's Progress the whole Pilgrim's Progress is about this journey and the people that he meets Mr. Worldly Wise Man and all these people that he comes across and, and the path that he has to walk and there's one point in his journey where he has to walk this 
very narrow path and there's a precipice a drop off on each side and there's fire below and there's some place you don't want to go and and he's walking this very very narrow path and there will be obstacles and the path is fraught with obstacles that want to stop him from going forward and there's no way to go back so he has to keep pressing forward and pushing past these obstacles and making his way toward the light you all with me on that and so that's the that's the journey every time i read this from the old testament isaiah said when you turn to the right or you turn to the left when you get ready to go off the path there'll be a voice that you'll hear right behind you saying this is the way walk in it thank god god has always provided a way for us to know which way to go right in the old testament when isaiah wrote that that voice speaking saying this is the way was the law it was the law that told them the right way to go not to step out of not to step out of place 613 of them that would guide human behavior and teach people how to live for god when when isaiah wrote that you'll hear this voice saying this is the way that voice was the law but thank god in our day it's not the law that speaks to us when we step out of the way it's the voice of jesus right it's the voice of compassion it's not 613 laws it's one savior who says i am the way and all we have to do is follow him isn't that great jesus confirms in saying i am the way he confirms the advent of a new covenant by saying that he is now the only way to the only god and he says things like this when a new covenant appears actually paul said this when a new covenant appears the old covenant is done away with it's amazing to me today how sometimes in, even in the Christian church people want to go back to old Jewish ways of being right with God when Jesus specifically came to set us free from those things and to give us life without following the rules and the regulations of the Old Testament Judaism he said that he is the way you all with me on this you're getting really quiet on me the law was the old map that got people off course and on dead ends and getting onto on-ramps that they didn't want to be on going in directions they didn't want to go because humanity couldn't follow the laws 613 laws are you kidding me i mean we you know we'd probably miss one of those somewhere along the line right i mean jesus has given us two commandments love god and love others and we mess that up somebody help me out in here i mean this is two commandments love god and love people following the way that those those old laws that was the old map but the way has been changed the old roads have been decommissioned and they're closed down and they're barricaded and there's one way to the father's house there's a lot of ways to wander around in this world and waste life there's a lot of ways to spend time but there's one way to the father's house and that way is through jesus you all with me on that so look at this in Matthew chapter 7. I just got a few more verses. Nudge your neighbor say, wake up, he's about done. Matthew chapter 7, check this out, verse 13. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Wow, what an interesting passage from the lips of the way. From the lips of Jesus, right? What an interesting passage. Everybody say, difficult is the way. So he says this. It's kind of interesting. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Because there is a wide and broad gate that leads to destruction. 
There's a passage in the Old Testament that says this, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is destruction. You know what? When we just do what we think is right, and I hear this all the time, well, I know the Bible says that, but I really think this is what I'm supposed to do. When we do what we think is right, we are on a broad path that leads to destruction. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about losing eternal life. I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about losing our place in the Father's house. I, I'm not going to get into who does and who doesn't lose or who does and who doesn't find. You all with me on that? But I do know this. If we take bad paths in life, it can mess up today and tomorrow and months and years of our lives. And if we listen to the way, if we listen to that little voice that says, when we go to the right or we go to the left, says, don't do that. This is the way. If we listen, we will save ourselves a lot of problems. Right? He says this, he says, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. And then we think, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the way, so why is the way difficult? I mean, does it mean that Christianity is a burden? You run into somebody, what's the matter with you? Oh, I got saved. <laughs> now I'm, I'm walking with Jesus now, and it's just so hard. And I don't know, I, I feel like my life's over because I'm just with Jesus now and everything. Anybody ever run across anybody like that? Oh, thank God you haven't. If you have, pray for them. Help them. Um, bring them to church. We'll try to help. But, you know, the thing is, we, you know, that's not, that's not what this means. It doesn't mean that it's difficult. Oh, I'm going to do such a heavy burden now. I have to follow Jesus. It's not that it creates a difficult life in this world. Well, now that I'm walking with Jesus, everything in the world's against me, and I just have to find my own path. I remember that picture of all those fish swimming one way and one little fish swimming the other way? Sometimes I feel like that fish, and I'm just getting beat up because everybody's against me. But Jesus is with you, and not everybody's against you. I'm with you. Look at these folks. They're all with you. There's a whole bunch of us. There's 2.5 billion of us. There's almost, almost one-third of the world population's with you. Stop that. It's all good. Or, you know, it's not that Jesus is hard on us. He's not a difficult taskmaster. It's not difficult to be harnessed with Jesus. He doesn't take us in bad places. You all listen to what I'm saying? But what is the difficulty then? Well, it's difficult in the sense that following Christ requires surrender and submission to His will. And that, for our humanity, is very difficult it's not easy is it if it was easy we wouldn't have needed the holy spirit to come on the day of pentecost and birth the church he would just said oh you guys got this go do it well we don't got this right to live in a way that honors jesus is not natural for human beings it's something that is difficult for humankind to accomplish which is precisely why he gave us his holy spirit so that the spirit of god can lead us and guide us when we're on that path and we start turning to the right or to the left, that voice that says, this is the way, walk in it, it's the voice of the way. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it sounds like your spouse. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, it requires the Holy Spirit for us to be able to surrender, but even that's not easy for our flesh. Listening to the Holy Spirit is not easy. Because our humanity is so strong, we really believe we know what we should do and what's best for us. And so we just kind of hang the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus off to the side as an appendage to our lives instead of seeing him as the way, the pathway, the mode, the means by which we make the journey. 
just kind of hang him off to the side and when we have a real problem we'll pray but then we'll get back on our path and do what we want to do on this broad and wide way that we just get to go investigate in our world I'm not saying that the narrow path restricts us the narrow path is not restriction the narrow path is freedom it's the voice of God speaking in us leading us and guiding us and it's a process check it out Matthew 16 24 Jesus said this I only got a few more verses here you ready Jesus told his disciples if any want to be my followers let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me and where were the followers going to go to the Father's house. How are they going to get there? That's right. So how do we become a follower? Well, Jesus said three things here. If anybody wants to be my follower, my disciple. There's a big difference, you know, that, and that's what he meant. When he said, you want to be my follower, that means you harness yourself to my rabbinical priesthood and you follow my teachings of Jewish law, which has all changed. Yeah. And it's now a brand new way of living. Totally different than what any of the other rabbis were teaching he said if you really want to be my disciple here's what you've got to do you've got to deny yourself i love that word deny it means disown disown yourself realize that you do not own yourself you all with me you were bought with a price jesus paid a price to purchase you at calvary jesus paid a price to purchase you from sin and death and when he purchased you at that price he paid the price to own you. you your your life is not your own you are a steward of the life that god's given you it's his life you give it to him he gives it back to you healed but it's still his i think of that verse in, in galatians 2 20 i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me my life is not mine my life belongs to god if you're with me on that say all right let's move on so he says deny yourself disown yourself take up your cross cross represents self-denial the willingness to lay down what we want. Jesus struggled in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done was his final answer. And that wasn't easy. He struggled with God, if this, if this cup could pass for me. It wasn't the death that was bothering him. I, I believe it was the fact that he would be separated from his father through crucifixion. But that, that denial of self to say, not my will, but your will be done. When was the last time really down in the gut and the depth of your spirit you said, God, it doesn't matter what I want. I want what you want for me. That's victory, folks. That's being a follower. And then he says, so deny yourself, disown yourself, take up your cross and follow me. <coughs> become, my, become my disciple. Let me be your rabbi. And part of that idea of follow me means to identify with me. It's like I said earlier, if you were a follower of Rabbi Joseph, you'd be called a Josephine. Those who watched jesus and his followers they would have referred to him as them as fo the followers of jesus remember when peter was warming himself the little lady came and said you're also one of them you're a follower of this man you're part of his band you're part of his group and of course he denied it right but she recognized that he was a follower of jesus not in the sense that he tagged along behind him but he identified with him i am a jesus follower how many of you in here today want to say i'm a jesus follower amen, amen? So he gives us access to the Father. Two last verses that I want to share with you. Romans chapter 5. Check this out. Now that we have God's approval by faith, we have peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Through Christ, we can approach God and stand in his favor. Here's some things I want to say about that verse. Because Jesus is the way, he's the way to God's approval. 
if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, God approves. He approves of you. Can I tell you something? God has nothing against you. He does not condemn you if you're a follower of Jesus. He has nothing against you. That should be good news for somebody in here. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, we'll try to fix that for you here in just a minute. He is also the way to the peace of God. A lot of Christians, a lot of people live their lives void of the peace of God when it's available to us if we'll just go to the Father's house. It's not some place we go and we die. It's some place we, go every, we can go any time we want to and find God's presence. And that's the other thing. He's the way to God's presence. He's the way to God's favor. One last verse I want to share with you. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path, for my way. Jesus came to, your, came to this earth and he became the word made flesh. The word was a lamp. I love this when the, when the psalmist writes this. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet. So your word shows me where I am right now. Can't tell you how many times I've gone into scriptures and I've read passages I've read before, but something in a passage will just jump out at me and the Holy Spirit will put his finger at that convicting part of my heart and say, this is where you are. And that light, the light of his word opens up where I am. But I love that it doesn't just say the lamp unto my feet, which is where I am, but also a light for my path, where I'm going. It lights up where I'm going, right? Jesus came as the word. He is the, the way that we are right now, but he's also the way that we are going. We follow that path to victory. Y'all with me on this? So when he said, I am the way to the Father's house, I'm the way to the Father. No one can come to the Father except by me. He's really saying, I'm the road for your spiritual progress. I'm the road, the route that you must take. It has no detours and no sidetracks. It's a path to the Father's house. The only means by which you can make this journey, the way to the Father's house. That's who Jesus is. When he says, I am the way, and then, and then he goes on and, and further bends the Jewish minds by saying, I am the truth. Pastor Josh will talk about that next week. And then he says, I am the life. In all of these statements, he's identifying that his purpose in adventing, his purpose in coming to this earth, becoming flesh, being incarnate God in the flesh, had nothing to do with him, had everything to do with us. He counted his life as nothing, something to be laid down in order that you and I might find the way to the Father's house. Wow, what grace. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.